Like it says in the Code of the West, the only way to make sure your head's on straight is if your eyes are forward and your ears are up. Hey, Moo. Hey, Moo. Colorado, what's the deal? I got bad news, Moo. The masked bull is at it again. Well, what's he at? Is he uh, trying to sabotage this week's hootenanny? Uh, no, not exactly, Moo. You, you... Oh, oh, I know what he's doing. He is going to try and hijack that uh, train full of gold. Uh, you might, you might want to just like let me, let me finish it. I, th- I think you. Or maybe getting farther maybe, and farther Just off the maybe mark. that rascal is trying to steal flour so that we can't compete in this week's cook-off. Moo, he's poisoned the watering hole. Poisoned it with uh, some sort of, some sort of laughing gas. Is, is the town double over in stitches, and we gotta get him? Take, take a seat. You don't understand. It's half the town is already dead from dysentery, and the others are barely making it. The the cow pies stretch on for miles, Moo. It's not going to turn out all right. There's no truisms you can cite that's going to make this all make sense. Sometimes you just lose. Like it says in the Code of the West, if it's all right in your heart, it's all right in the world. Come on, Moo. Chin up. Get on that saddle. I heard they got some panda people out east. We can start over. I'm going to find that masked bull and hang him. <laughs> he wouldn't hang him. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. What do you recommend he do? <laughs> He's seen too much, Ben. He's seen too much. Come and the maker to the western skies With the sound of a thousand cattle drive A chosen few would see the light And find the wrong with right up on the mesa, high above the clouds, there's a world apart from all the rest. On the mesa, there's a real cowboy standing up for law and order and living by the code of the West. Cleaning up the territory, keeping evil on its toes. Take the different freedom ride. I'm gonna tie his hogs. <laughs> when you stare into the villain, uh, the mustache twirly villain, it stares back. Um, I don't know. I think we got enough good there. <laughs> what do you think? Interesting. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Should it go on longer? Oh, I, I think it's good for like he wouldn't do that. <laughs> He's he, nice. He, in the Code of the West, you never you never lethally kill anybody. Ben, I think at this point I'm qualified to talk about the Code of the West <laughs> uh, and all <laughs> all that it entails. What you think? What do you think? Your your uh, wily burp is that? Uh, you think you got ben, that kind of gravitas? Like it says in the Code Talking of the West, down to President Barack Obama. Wait, no, that's I'm thinking of someone else. Then, like it says in the Code of the West, there's three things you can count on. Your, your brains, brains. Your bros. Your bike. Your bros. And your boots. And your bikes. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yep. Okay. So, welcome to Biker Mice from Mars, round two. Retro edition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, not, it's not even like Battle Aware. It's like... Now with country music. So, yeah. For those, uh, for those of you who are wondering, uh, oh, well, wait, we should probably start with the start. Uh, my name is Ben. My name is Moo Montana. My name I'm is a, Deputy Zane. I'm the marshal of this here mesa. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. 
Uh, and you are on the Carton Cast perp. Uh, we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today, we are not talking about Invader Zim because of scheduling conflicts. Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, it'll happen. <laughs> Just remove it from the rotation. Listen, guys, I have notes typed up already. There's no way I'm not going to use that. I have to, like, keep... Wa- I- I've already watched the ones I really like, and now to keep myself fresh, I have to watch the ones that terrify me. <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't do Dark Harvest. Like, no, it's, I, it's still too it's still too raw for me. I, I started it. I got, like, two seconds in, and I'm like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Those fears are still there. Okay. Good good to have consistency in my life. Trick, but, uh, tri- tri- trick Dan into watching it. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Don't Dan. Don't tell him what he's in for. Yeah, uh, but we are not watching Invader Zim. We are not watching Biker Mice from Mars. Except we that we watch- sort of are. We are watching... <laughs> What's the full name of the show? I was trying to figure it out. The Wild West. C- period. Period. O- o- oh, wait, no, no. Here it is. Wild West C-O-W-Boys of Moo Mesa. Is the whole title. Mm-hmm. Like course- it says in the Code of the West, cartoons and eggs are one and the same. Try to crack them, you'd best have something to catch the yolk. If you, if you, try, to, if you try to crack them, you best be lacking them. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> What's that, Moo? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You've pardon. been in the sarsaparilla again, boy. Ooh, he's been out in the sun for a while. We should really. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. He, yeah, he's gonna dry like a steak underneath a heat lamp like that. They're where they're out there all day in full leather. Like that can't be good. Yeah, this, this cowboy walking's murder on your legs. Uh, yeah, but the uh, Wild West Cowboys of Mesa, which I think we'll just refer to as Mesa. Uh, ran... I think Cowboys of Mesa is fine, but uh, yeah, C-O-W uh, actually sound- stands for Code of the West. Code of the West. Yeah, which is a weird, like, wrinkle to this show that I was curious about your <laughs> you opinion didn't, on. You didn't need the abbreviation. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, pretty weird. Like, I... They're already cows. They, they couldn't have had the idea of Code of the West before... No, making no. the title right. If They're it's... like, we might as well make it more of a pun. Like it's already a pun because they're cows that are cowboys. But what if the word cow wasn't the word cow? <laughs> they're bulls. They're men <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, um, or, or or breasted cow women without udders. They are terrifying. But, I'm gonna, gonna um, talk about them at length, Zane. So. Cowboys and Mumesa ran on ABC from 1992 to 1993, uh, two seasons. So this is after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, before Biker Mice from Mars or Street Sharks. Um, it was and it was the, produced... It was in the era of uh, of some of my favorite shows that we've done so far. I was actually thinking, going back through some of the shows that we've done, I think this might be my favorite era of cartoondom. Oh, really? The uh, Mutanimals? Uh, not, not necessarily the the, you know anthropomorphization of i don't know about i don't know about you ben i love that episode of doug where he hallucinates about the old west and a bull tells him about the code (laughs) or where homer hallucinates any uh any any dreams of a space coyote on a reservation Mm -hmm. both good um it doesn't it seem like westerns only happen in dreams nowadays (laughs) it's a it's I an mean, no one remembers market. the West. No one like references it in something that isn't a hallucination or space. Like or space, westerns yeah, are now space. okay if they're mixed in with space. Space is just like a way that people can rehash old genres without feeling bad. Not so enough have, like, on sp- its own. 
Space, space Western, Space uh, Opera, both uh, are both pretty are both pretty good. I, I, I would watch seen a, many good space romances other than maybe Star Trek. I would watch a detective noir set in Star Wars. That that is a very interesting idea. Yeah. Like what like what if uh Roger Moore actually went back to his home dimension and solved crimes throughout <laughs> the cosmos? I'm guessing that the butler did it. Oh, I was right. Um <laughs> it's anyway. the space butler. Uh so this show was produced the by Cosmic Kitchen. This show was produced by Greengrass Productions and uh Ruby Spears, which we remember from Mega Man. If you say so. Uh it was the well it was it was produced by King World Productions and it was their only animated show? Yeah, they 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 helped out on it. It's a weird choice. What else did they it do? It is. Uh, they they did some other stuff for like ABC. I, I don't I don't I didn't write any of it down, but uh, that this is the only animated thing that they ever did. Easy as one, two, three. Uh, I'm not sure why they did it, but I know that the uh, comic book artist Ryan Brown uh, created this show. And yeah, so he, he, he had he, some clout by this point. He was an inker for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles during their you know rise to fame. I yeah. wanted to say. Straight rainy season the... and the... <laughs> it's a rainy season <laughs> their monsoon period um yeah. he also uh wrote a comic about giant monster hot dogs called the halloweeners isn't that like a new movie it's like sausage party or something like that yeah isn't yeah that just the I've same heard, thing i've heard all with a things. bunch of with a bunch of raunchy south park jokes in there yeah um, God, that but, looks bad. I but hate he it was, when I see a movie that looks really bad that gets a lot of hype. It just makes me very. It makes me so angry. What What would you prefer to get a lot of hype that didn't? Nothing. I mean, Cowboys I versus like, aliens, Ben. I don't. I don't like advertising to begin with. But something that is so obviously doesn't believe in its own product is just like, I don't know. It makes me wince. It's just like, oh, what you're. <laughs> advertisers you are selling your souls do you believe in this do you think is they this, do you think that they believed in this show ben um i don't really know like like i said this is like the era of some of my favorite cartoons that we've done so biker mice from mars which was great darkwing mm-hmm. duck which might be still my one of my like top five cartoons of all time <laughs> maybe not of all time but like certainly st- stuck out as like a, a shining star and kind of an innovative example of yeah, how yeah, good you, a show could be. You get your classic uh, Nicktoons. You get your Rugrats. Um, yeah, and this this show shares a lot of common DNA with it. With Rugrats? And, no, 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 no. Are you uh, sure? <laughs> Darkwing Duck and uh, and Biker Mice from Mars. It's very similar to Biker Mice from Mars. And right. I had originally thought they were all done by like Walt Disney or something. It's just like, yeah. no, I'm gonna this, be, this was just the style of the time. I'm going to be comparing those two shows a lot. Um well, when we, we were talking about Darkwing Duck was like, I mean, we were talking about DuckTales as being kind of the start of this cartoon revolution, and a few years down the line from 1986, we finally started getting stuff like Darkwing Duck and, and a few more, like, expressive, right. expansive lore, a little bit more textured, and the animation and music all got a bump. Yeah, yeah, um, your Gargoyles animated mm-hmm. Dark Knight, or, That's right. or Batman. Um, yeah, this was... I mean, if you look at other shows from this period, though, there's still a lot of chaff. Like, they were still figuring out, but the good shows really, really stood out. And the this show kind of was right in the middle. Yeah, it, it doesn't quite hit 
biker mice from Mars fame. No. It's no it's no Darkwing Duck Zane, but uh, it's also not a bad show. No. Like, I, enjoyed, um, I enjoyed this quite a bit. I, I liked the first season. The second season, to me, indicated a huge drop-off in quality. What makes you say that? Um, so the animation uh, was not great. They spent more time in the action, which is not, in my opinion, the show's strong suit. The characters well, let, were more... Let's get back to that in a minute, if you don't oh, mind. There, there were a lot of little things. I'll, I'll sprinkle them in. Let, let me uh, let me state specifically that there were two. There was an animation studio that did the first season, and then a different one that did the second season. Oh, that would do it. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. Um, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Yeah. So Greengrass Productions did season one, and Ruby Spear Productions did season two. Mega Man. So yeah, that 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 owes to some of the like blockier, a little bit maybe a little bit more robotic perhaps animation style. Um. Yeah. I don't know how I don't know what the reception of this show is because it doesn't seem like I feel like I would have heard about it before you suggested it if it was like a super popular show, but it's also not like decried as like a failure either. No, this is just a an existing show. Yeah, it just kind of got uh, got caught by the wayside. Yeah, um, I, I wonder if it was like a little bit too weird to be like a blockbuster hit. Yeah, well, it was filling in like this gap um because the wild west wasn't very prevalent in animation at this point um you know wild west like western shows that's 50s and 60s that's that's when it was in its heyday heyday that's the word not rainy season the (laughs) well the heyday follows the rainy season zane right then you harvest Mm -hmm. all in accordance with the code of the west but um, right, Fievel you, was right before you, you this. Hitch up, you hitch up uh, a horse with a grain thresher and then have the grain thresher piloted by a more different horse. <laughs> um, right before the show, uh, Brave Star, which you had mentioned, and uh, Fievel had just come out. So it yeah, seemed like a sure bet. There is definitely... They, they, had something to, they had something to fall back on, like... People weren't unaware of how Westerns could be carried out in this sort of setting so far, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think that, I mean, Fiebel was a movie, Brave Star was of the, you know, He-Man kind of era of marketing and animation thereof. So, you know, it, we didn't really get a Western show that was solid in the manner of the more successful shows of the time. Like, mm-hmm. Gargoyles, you had kind of your noir, fan, like, modern dark fantasy uh, Darkwing Duck, you had a, um, you had, um, kind of like a, a, a superhero noir thing going on, and, um, you know, Biker Mice from Mars is sort of like your modern action hero, uh, with a weird, like, little space kind of, kind of thing, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we didn't really have a dedicated Western animation, so, th- this was kind of a weird offshoot of that, uh, of that genre that I don't think was prevalent until this point. Right. But I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what the appeal was supposed to be. Like you all know, the pieces are there, but I don't see the reasoning. Why, why, why is <laughs> the show's name is wild west cowboys of Moo Mesa to remind everybody. Like, <laughs> how was this conceived of even? I, I feel like it really was off the tails of, um, Ninja Turtles, um, but that that wasn't. I understand what you're saying, but that wasn't like any in any way why the related West? to a Western. 
Like why Western? Yeah, why why Western? Why cows? Other than the pun, why why? No, <laughs> I think why. I think that's why. What What do you mean? I I think because they could make those puns, and I I don't know. I can't get into the mind of the creator. I just know that he, you know, had yeah, I mean, this experience. Like, if you look at Darkwing Duck, you have all these, animals. You are you have all these duck models just lying around. So uh-huh. like, it's pretty easy to do that. Gargoyles, oh, I see. you. I, yeah, I mean, like... You have to build this whole thing from, from out of nothing. Yeah, from the ground beef up. See, I didn't see it that way. I just saw it as this mutated animal's theme, and then they just slapped a filter on it. But every other thing, every other show, like, in the Walt Disney Brigade at the time had mute, mutated animals that became people, and they never explained any of it. But here it's a plot point. Should, should we maybe get into the plot? Yeah, yeah. Tell us the premise of this show. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, so a cos- I'm, I'm going to quote here. A cosmic comet hits Earth. A, a cowmet, Ben. Cowmet? I beg your pardon. <laughs> uh, end quote. Which simultaneously eradicates humanity and transforms some species into anthropomorphic Western stereotypes. You know what I love about that? That's not you doing your weird, like, looking too much into it. That's the given explanation. It's given in the theme song, and then in the first episode, they repeat it as the first line of the show. No, they clarify in a little song. They're like, there's a song that tells you it, and then one of the characters also sings a song that tells you the same thing. (laughs) It's so funny. We're the cowboys of Mesa. We uphold the code of the West. Since the comet done come down, and raised Moon Mesa from the ground. We walk talking right like all the rest. We're the cowboys of Mesa. Uh, yeah, so they, they um, the comet forms a mesa rather than, you know, a big hole. Which yeah, what is, is what a, a mesa, comet precisely? It's the exact opposite of a hole. Okay, it's, like it's a plateau. A, it's a plateau, basically, um, okay. and it's hidden hidden among the clouds, and everything on it evolved into a bovipomorphic state. Bovipomorphic. Um, and they heard they had heard stories of the Wild West, so they just like did that. <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, the thing, I but mean, since they didn't know everything, they just made some stuff up. No, no, no I, th- I think you're mixing up your cause and effect. Like they chose cowboys, and then we're like, okay, so cows then, and that's it. No, the creators did. I'm talking about the cows in universe heard about the Wild West and were like, oh, and Let's we're do like, that. oh yeah, that's <laughs> well, that's actually an interesting point. Like that could have been the case. They could have just been like, hmm, it seems like what humans like. Humans had a bunch of set stuff set up for us cows in this time period. Let's just emulate everything we see about that in like their history books or whatever. Um, yeah, and I really or, wish they had done more with this because I have a nice conspiracy theory about it. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, or much more likely, I think, because of Occam's Razor, they this just happened in an alternate history in the you know eighteen hundreds. Oh, are you telling me this didn't actually happen? This isn't historical <laughs> fiction, Ben? No, I'm just saying that's the time period I think that we're trying to deal with. I don't think they just have, like, this Western affectation apropos of nothing, Zane. Oh, they were in the Wild West. Yeah, no, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, it's fairly obvious, right? It's, no, like, that, that it's, makes, that's not a stretch. No, that makes sense. Um, I, I just think, you know, 
when cows become people and they need to develop their own culture, that was those are the stories they were. What they like found a book? I don't know. So, and speaking of like, well, when we say they explain it in the in the theme song, it gets two lines and like this metal album cover. <laughs> Uh, no, it's imagery. not. It's a, it's a country western song. It's, it's a country awesome. western song with a comet and then, like, earth coming out. Oh, like, yeah, no, that part is totally a metal lightning. album cover. <laughs> yeah, there's lightning, a thundering of a thousand cattle drives. But <laughs> which, but they which have, like, two lines explaining the plot, and then they're just like, we're going to fight the bad guys. <laughs> just don't worry about it. So I've got a few things to say here. Let me unpack this plot. Please. Oh, God, first, please. First, I love that they give us very little to work with. Like, I, I love it when fantasy or, like, alternative fiction or whatever settings don't really explain their universe that much. Um, you know, things like Jackie Chan Adventures or something do this constantly <laughs> where they're like, this is a universe with a dragon and some magic shit and Jackie Chan go run through it like just they they just leave it there they don't they don't have yeah. like they don't have audio logs from like people in our times who were like researching this stuff they just give you give you it and leave it alone or like adventure time does this really well um is they just give you the setting and throughout the story they'll unpack that setting this one doesn't really do that but the point is they don't give you like a ton of exposition at the beginning they just give you a song right. You're dealing with cow people now, and they ride horses that are not horse people, which leads to my second point. <laughs> how, how could this have happened? <laughs> like, I accept that the premise is that you some were just of- sa- You just finished saying you're glad it doesn't take itself too seriously, which I think is one of its biggest strengths, and now you're complaining. <laughs> I'm not complaining, but, like, it's super weird. <laughs> okay, it, it is. It's it's not so much that it... Okay, it doesn't need an explanation as long as it's internally consistent, and it's immediately not. Cause you're right, you're right, show- Ben. They should be riding people. <laughs> is that so wrong? <laughs> that would be so creepy looking, though. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> I, I'm trying to re- imagine, like, the reverse of a cow, like, anthropomorphizing... Uh-huh. And like um, because when they do that, they're upright, of course. They lose their udders, etc. Um, their dick shrink, obviously. You can see that they have human hands no. now. <laughs> they have it in that sheath, Ben. They <laughs> they have a genital sheath. They have human hands now, so that means that if people transformed into like bovine creatures, they would suddenly develop ho- hooves at the end of their ha- of their arms, oh. which is just <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Uh, and then the uh, the third thing that I was wondering is that if this if this Mesa is do you think that this was like an isolated event or if this is a worldwide thing? They live in Cowtown and they reference other places, but it's all supposed to be I think all, like on the Mesa, which I don't think they're that big. We're on the Mesa. Uh, it's. We're on the I was somewhere. kind of hoping it was like a worldwide thing, and that they would occasionally like interact with like. Some like, like sentient camel sheik in like an Arab country, and then like, yeah, or like a panda person in China or something like that. It'd be like they Kung Fu f- Panda, Zane. Yeah, it, they fought. This was pirates. the beginning. They fought pirates once, and I really think that the like running away from their own theming doesn't help them. What when they when they fought pirates? Yeah, like when you go out of the Western genre, the show falls down. 
I can I can see that that would be the case unless they were like specifically something that belonged in the West. Like I I know that there's like some sort of equine or something that uh that is supposed to be a Native American stand-in, and right. he uh, he fits just fine. Like everything from Fievel goes west. Like you couldn't have pirates in that and have it make sense. You have to have exactly brigands, you know, yeah, or highway. And you can have different. You can have different species, but they're all in the west. Yeah, and uh, I won't go in too much more into it. But this show is very good at being tonally appropriate. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, uh, that's all my plot stuff. Do you have anything to say? No. Uh, let's get into characters. Well, I want to say something about uh, the. I want to say something about the ontology that extends beyond the plot, which okay. is that, uh, which is that uh, the cows are cowboys. Cowboys are such named because they are wrangling cattle for slaughter. Yeah, man. So there's some troubling existential questions. <laughs> this is more the entomology than the, uh, or the etymology rather than the ontology. Well, okay, fine, whatever. The question remains. Like what exactly? Large words shouldn't really be applied to this show. They're I not think. really. They're not really cowboys. But maybe that was why they came up with the acronym because they're, cowboy, in the strictest sense, doesn't have any meaning that isn't very morally queasy. They're cowmen. <laughs> yeah, they were cowboys. Well, I I think the Colorado kid is a cowboy because if you think about it, like look at his costume. He's wearing. Like leather with a cow pattern. He killed a woman and is wearing her skin. Yeah. Okay. You're you're really missing my point. My point is that <laughs> what exactly is, that, is their job function? The point is is that this show is goofy, but if you take things too seriously, you're gonna have a bad time. I guess. I guess you're gonna have a bad time. What is that from? South Park, I think. Oh yeah, that's right. It's like Mr. Mackey or something. Uh, the ski instructor. Oh, yeah. that's right. Pizza the- or French fry. Their, their job is like they're like sheriff light there's already a sheriff he's a so oh okay, man so yeah now we can talk about the plot let's go so or the characters marshall moo montana is the marshal which is like a sheriff but good whereas a sheriff is corrupt so uh does is that right is that good <laughs> well what, what do you is mean the, sher- I, the, the sheriff isn't I guess there is a sheriff. He's a marshal. I don't know what the hierarchy in, like, western towns are precisely. This is where the whole, like, they heard about the Wild West, but they're not quite sure what's involved comes into play. Oh, they like, they they, get, they got the lore wrong, like, uh, like in Wizards, where they're like, okay, there's, uh, there's a bunch of religions from the past. We're going to try to re- recreate them as best we can, and they just get it completely weird. But 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 in, in here, they're like, okay, we know there's supposed to be lawmen. In all of these stories, there's a lawman who's corrupt, and there's a lawman who is who is good and sort of a lone ranger type, and we need both of them in our city. In the same like, town, constantly just, just hissing <laughs> at each other. <laughs> yeah. Raising their hackles. There's, um... So if I can go back to my mindset in Five Goes West, a typical mm-hmm. Western generally has a like defunct Eastern person lawman who goes to the West and uh, is beset by the perils of the West as well as the freedoms of the West. You know that that duology there, that that sure. duality there, mm-hmm. and um, he generally has to overcome the odds of uh, the local enforcement, which is generally like you know brigands or like some gang that has overrun the town yeah 
they don't precisely have the the right ratio there for that. It seems like they're a pretty even field, but uh, it's like it still works. Yeah, yeah, no. The Moo Montana is like he is a competent lawman. He's not from the east. He's just he's just good at his job. Right, and, and that makes it a little bit less of a western. Like, there's a bunch of little things that make it a little less of a western, like in the true in like the true western sense. Mm-hmm. But they don't add up to much, and the the theming is so strong without it that it's not really a big deal. Um, yeah, re- researching the voice actor Pat Fraley for Marshall Moo Montana. Yeah, I came, I came across a paragraph with a bunch of his voice actor roles. A and lot from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? I'd like. Well, I'd like to. I'd like to read a paragraph from Wikipedia, if I may. That kind of shows you how why I love this era of cartoondom so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me let me read this. Pat voiced the title character in Brave Star, Fireball in Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs, Cousin It in the Adams Family, Max Ray in Ruby Spears the Centurions, Lurky Buddy Blue. On X and Evil Force in Rainbow Bright, Young Scrooge McDuck and Sir Guy Standforth in DuckTales, Gwumpkey <laughs> in Quack Pack, Sniff in Space Cat, and as Wildcat in Tailspin. You, you know how, like, boomers are always getting down on our generation for the corruption of culture? Yeah. <laughs> like, what were this they doing is, back then? This is our birthright. <laughs> this is... <laughs> before they developed like subtlety it's like it's a samurai jack-esque approach to like naming your characters you have to name them what they are <laughs> yeah and the more what they are the better the name right evil force evil Somebody, force that's awesome guy stand forth in ducktales so yeah the I lone just, ranger yeah exactly i guess it is also a western thing come to yeah. think of it so that's marshall moo uh He's he's just kind of a good guy, I guess. Yeah, he's a bit of a Mary Sue. Like he's he's very competent. He doesn't. I, I feel like he doesn't really need the other two guys. Like so, so. This this is something I I think would make the show better is if you got rid of his kind of sidekicks. So um, that uh, that's sort of what they do in uh, Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars. If, oh uh, really? If you, if you had thought about that, yeah, it's just it's pretty much the one guy, and he has like a he has like a guide, but it's not really his com- comrade so much as like a uh, as a as a person that he can he can get get information from. Yeah, like um, a Lone I think Ranger Brave thing. Star, Brave Star is also very similar to that. Uh, yeah, he's got that horse that turns into a mech horse, right? Yeah, Clint Eastwood was in you know infinitely many of these movies where he w- he was the only lawman, and then like. A buddy that he met halfway through the movie would bail him out at the last second. Right. But he didn't have but, a team. But what I'm what I'm thinking of specifically here is this has the Ninja Turtles DNA, and like it works in Ninja Turtles because you can have like a band of ninjas. Right. Uh, it, it works in biker mice because bikers come in groups. It doesn't work here. The whole point of the like lawman, the cowboy of the West, is he's a loner. That's true. And that's why I think that the the ratios are a bit skewed. It doesn't seem like that he's overpowered in any circumstance. Like he's got the backing of the entire town, which are you know he he's got the mayor like at least sort of on his it like he has to pay the mayor has to pay lip service to him. Like he has a lot of a lot of uh, utility. Clout. Yeah, he's yeah, got a lot of clout. Is, <laughs> this is weird. It's like five years after 
the movie where he comes from the west and or, yeah, or it's he like comes he from won. the east and has to prove himself. Yeah, he won. He won already. And the villains this, are just like are just kind of like fucking with him because they're they're petty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree though. I agree what you, what you're saying is that they are like the group dynamic is not that strong. I think the guys are fine individually, but they aren't like they aren't biker mice. And they don't seem to have they it seems like they get along but aren't really they don't have an implicit bond. Yeah. Like you know? and and you don't really need one of them to do something as opposed to any other one. You can have the job be done well by any of them. They're just like, "Oh, we have three guys, they need to do a roughly equal distribution of work." Yeah, and sometimes they just get relegated to the side plot. Sometimes they aren't brought in at all. Like there's mm-hmm. somewhere where the Dakota dude is just like not talked, doesn't doesn't do a damn thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Who who would yeah. later make an appearance as Big Mac in uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic? <laughs> it's the <laughs> yeah, same character. So, so <laughs> like the, I think they got it right from this. The Dakota dude is uh, voiced by Jim Cummings, uh, yep, Darkwing also, Duck. Also, the second and, half of Be Prepared in the Lion King. And he doesn't talk much in this show, but he, uh, uh, Jim Cummings voices a bunch of other minor characters in the show, so it sort of works out. This was another reason why I didn't like the second season as much, because they like did away with his only defining character trait. Oh, where he's he's strong, silent type? Yeah, like he talks plenty. Yeah. Uh, he has his moments of, of talking more in like the first season. I think I think it's not as, you know... I don't think it's as divisive as you're making it, but uh, yeah. I I do like his uh, strong silent type kind of persona and how like he's like the moral backbone of the of the group, I guess. Yeah, very stoic. I, I actually think that this is kind of a poor voice acting cast because and just because his voice like like Jim Cummings from what I remember is better better suited for like a theatrical kind of presentation or like being in a spotlight. Like both Darkwing Duck and Scar from Be Prepared are indicative of that. And as a re- result, he's uh his work here is kind of overshadowed. I think he's got a, b- a good bit of gravel to him. I, he does the voice well. I just think it's a waste of his talent. Yeah, that that's I think why they used him for some other minor characters, including that... Um... Uh, scorpion that for a while I thought was uh, oh, Bill Dotree from King of the Hill. I, I, so to talk about the voices of the villains, they're all like, like not all of them. Like the Masked Bull has a nice deep baritone, and like there's a couple others, but most of like the the jobbers are all like really nasally, like they just stepped out of King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. You can tell a person's status in this show by how deep their voice is. Yeah, I know. Octave per per star on your chest per, per <laughs> war medal. They weigh you. They weigh your lungs down, so it's a deeper voice. It's like that's. I don't know what they were trying to say. There's like this weird toxic toxic masculinity aspect to it. It's like, <laughs> like yeah, all, all the most effeminate characters are villainous. Well, Ben, in the old west, a man can be a man. <laughs> and a man yeah. drinks whiskey and beats right. his wife. I mean, it's part of the code of the West, Ben. <laughs> you can't just can't just it's, change the code of the West. It's the Second Amendment in the code of the West. They're trying to take our uh, they're trying to take our uh, our pop guns. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> so I I do like uh, Dakota Dude. Getting back to the characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is a very good contrast with the third of the group, the Colorado Kid. Colorado. Yeah, so um, this is voiced yeah. by Jeff Bennett, who's Johnny Bravo. 
Yep, and uh, also Clay from Shaolin Showdown. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of. It, I don't know about the voice casting here either. Like his range is very good, considering he's more of a jokester than any of his other roles. Yeah, he he plays the guitar and can sing a song occasionally, but he is the least serious. He's the most likely to you know spit a one liner. Yeah, he's a fast talking, wisecracking side character, um, which is which is not what Clay from Shaolin showed. Well, I guess he kind of did, but he wasn't as jovial. It's, it's so weird that this show predates Biker Mice from Mars because it feels like they just took that and changed the theme. It's it's like they took the same ensemble. Like this is just Vinny again. <laughs> it's just Vinny again. I was thinking about this earlier, Ben. Be honest. Do you remember the other mice's name, or is it just Vinny, Rob Paulson, and the Black Mouse? Throttle and uh, and uh, Cochise. <laughs> Moto. Whatever. <laughs> At least you got Throttle. I like had to go back and listen through our entire episode on that just to remember <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm like, and uh, Sancho Panza. Oh, and the third guy, you know, with the metal yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, old metal face. He's got a he's got a touch of the M. But um, uh, so I, I like that they do have the. Uh, I like that he he's he's the most mischievous of the three, and that sometimes gets him into like. He kind of seems like the the new kid of yeah, the group. Definitely not much beyond that. Uh, like, like I don't hate it though. Like, no. I like the ensemble in what they bring to a given episode. What, what do you think of his constant referencing of the Code of the West? It's Tourette's. No, I don't know. <laughs> you can't help. It, it reminded me. I don't of know. The, what, um, I don't know what to think of it. Dwarven vows from Tales of Symphonia. Oh yeah, I love those. Yeah, those are fun. Like I. I don't know. I enjoy hearing constant, like, Western truisms. I think those are some of my favorite, like, old sayings. I like them better than, like, Confucius says or, yeah, yeah. you know, like, any any of, like, the uh, cones from, uh, from, like, Buddhist philosophy or anything like that. I think I like Western kind of homespun wisdom a yeah, little bit yeah. better. So I like hearing it referenced, but it's, it's sort of, it's sort of out of place, I guess. Well, th- everyone else agrees with you because <laughs> this is my favorite part. No one seems to understand what he's talking about. They don't even humor him. He'll just say something like, mm, you gotta let the horns ride the bull once in a while. And everyone else will be like, what? <laughs> okay. Whatever, he's, whatever you say, Moo. <laughs> just, can you go catch the bad guys now? <laughs> but he does. He does. I don't no, know. He does his job fine. It's just everyone's like, uh, sure. Yeah, he's he's defining the genre on his own. Like he's he's taking the bulk of the work with him. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't really think of it as a as a character beat so much as they needed it for the genre and they didn't really care where they put it, so they put it on the guy who talked the most. He he's sort of something that everything needs to revolve around. Like mm-hmm. all the plots kind of revolve around him even if they aren't even if the even if he's not solving them specifically. Like he, he's he's the touchstone he's the uh he's the linchpin of the whole show and part of that is because um one of the villains the mayor mayor baloney uh oh man this guy's great one of his motivations is just to get rid of moo montana because he is the most so corrupt can... politician i know <laughs> he can't even so, bother to hide it i think i like the heroes in uh biker mice better I love the, I, I, <laughs> the I love here. the villain. I love this villain. I don't think that the villains are generally that strong. I love the corrupt mayor. His voice is not helping him. He's like, nobody escapes from my jail unless I say so. I mean, he, uh, nobody escapes ever. 
Like he's no, he's he's like he he's constantly like he's constantly mincing and blathering on in veiled threats. Like he like he can't figure out how to make them appropriately subtle. Like it's so fun. <laughs> Like, Kazumu Montana is just, like, a brick wall of, of like, a sounding board of a hero. Like, he's uh-huh. not going to pick up on what you're saying, really, so you can kind of say whatever you want, and he'll just be like, oh, he's the mayor. The mayor's a good guy. And done and done. But he has, like, these lines that are, like, anybody who's even a little bit, like, savvy is going to be like, oh, this is the traitor that comes in through halfway through the plot. Right. Let me Let me cite one, like, let me cite one line that I think I wrote down verbatim. Please. <laughs> um, so the the plot is that uh, the other the other sher- like the sheriff, the corrupt sheriff who's secretly uh, the masked bull. Yeah, um, Sher- sheriff uh, Terry. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and his brother, uh, horrible. I didn't see him. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? What is his first name? Hori. Sure. Or Horace, <laughs> maybe. The. Uh, Somebody saw him as his alter ego, the mass bull, and so that's enough to get like, uh, like get, get him arrested, get like an indictment signed by the mayor. <laughs> There's like this weird like due process in this show that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so uh, the mayor writes it up because he's kind of cornered into doing it. He can't just be like, "Well, we don't want to arrest you know the guy I work behind the scenes with for all these like dastardly deeds." So he signs it, but he says, "But I tell you, I don't like it one bit." Accusing a fellow law cow of uh, criminal injustices has, shall we say, repercussions. This witness of yours had better be on the up and up, or you're going to be on the up and up to your <laughs> neck in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like he wasn't quite sure how to end it. He, he doesn't know. Like he knows that he's supposed to be menacing, like in a in a non-committal way but he yeah, can't he, quite he he's can't quite supposed to be threatening together. or innocent and he's just halfway yeah exactly and then he starts like shaking his fists while moo is still in the room <laughs> i'll <laughs> just, get you captain planet yeah he's just such a transparent villain who doesn't know how to like keep the guys going i it's i so think it's funny. all part of the act i think it's um i'll i'll explain it a bit let's let's finish out the characters okay all right. So the last kind of characters that I want to talk about is the uh, is the ladies. Oh my gosh, <laughs> these yeah. are terrifying. <laughs> these are these are real like um, uh, Bella. Uh, what what are they called? Southern bells. Southern bells. Yeah, this was like uh, the uh, the role that Kitty Miss Kitty played in uh, in Five Goes West, which is like to be rescued generally, but they're sure. all sassy and like strangely like sexily coquettish <laughs> yeah well miss lily plays more of the damsel in distress uh calamity kate is uh is a lot more i i wish i had seen more of her she seemed capable of joining in on the action yeah she's she's an action gal and uh it, and actually i really like that uh she and um and uh dakota dude kind of have this like flirtatious relationship of two really like Career focused. Well, they're not career focused so much as like very strong, independent people that yeah, don't yeah. really need another person. But like, whenever they get, whenever they're around each other, they're like they soften up like a lot. Did you see the episode where they almost got married? No, I didn't. I would be pretty into that though. I kind of like that was, relationship. It was a fairly like 
complex plot. So, like... <laughs> no. Kate's father had been gone. Like, he was planning to come back in, like, eight years. And the mayor's like, I want that gold. Or whatever, like, <laughs> that he left to her. Classic Mayor Baloney. <laughs> um, but, like, he, he found an old law that says, like, if somebody hasn't been in town for seven years, you just assume that they're dead. Um, That's the law of the West. Law of the West, of the man. West. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, and so she's like, no, I, you know, it, basically just trying to prove it. And they found a will that said, you know, I leave everything to you and your husband if I die. And she's like, I have to get married or else it's null and void. Um, that's so good. Yeah, like, no, that's it, a it worked that's out. a great plot line because there's it, no that's Shakespearean. <laughs> I I love how because the law is such a prominent figure in this setting, and they have to do everything within the confines of the law. They can't break the law. It's it like imposes restrictions on the lawmen to kind of be smart about it, be clever. You know, like to, <laughs> the lawmen to, have to. The, the the mayor does not. No, because he he interprets the law however he wants. I, I like, want to talk about the law, but let me tell you how the mayor approached uh, Kate after like revealing that he was going to repossess everything. He says, um, "What's the matter, Kate? You look like you've lose like like you've lost something. For example, everything you own." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's the other thing. The, the wordplay in this is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, the dialogue's not bad. This is, again, like, this is, again, something that Biker Mice and Darkwing Duck, and I'm sorry I have to keep on bringing those two up, but I've seen mm-hmm. so many cartoons, and I can't think of more examples on the spot. But it's, it's something that the cartoons of this era did very, very well. It's clever, and in this show, it's it's just corny enough that you're pretty sure the writers were also in on the joke. So, oh yeah, um, no, it's it's all about the joke <laughs> of the facade. So Calamity uh, or uh, Colorado Kid says, uh, "We'll make it in time, provided nothing unforeseen happens." <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, I, I I think you're totally right in how much they appreciate the genre conventions they're working with, and how much they yes. realize that they're just trying to parody it enough to get by, and not so much that it seems like they hate it or that like because this is one of those things that you have to do when you're adapting a genre to a cartoon that doesn't make sense with that genre like you're not going to have a gunfight and like the necessary mortality or brutality of the west in a show like this but so it's sort of like you know balancing kind of like it's a sort of a balancing act you have to treat it appropriately enough that you can get the jokes through but not so appropriately that you rub up against like necessary pg restrictions and i think they all were very aware of that and you know, rode that line pretty well. They were clever. I think it worked well when they had to face the severity of life on the range and then just didn't. So, like, they have guns that don't shoot bullets. Yeah, let's talk about this. Like, because this is, like, the best genre thing there is, is that it keys to the Western aesthetic, and but but they all, they do a lot of work to make it work. It's almost kind of like steampunk in, like, they're doing things that are less effective than like bullets, but they're cooler. <laughs> I guess you know, I you don't know like know how every you know like how every sci-fi thing is like shoot your laser gun and like the laser gun's not as effective as a real gun. I don't know. I, I don't think that's. 
I don't think that's true. I think this this was one of those things that just like is clearly a joke. Because if you wanted something less effective but still within like the genre, you could like make all the guns shoot little nets or whips or something like that. Oh yeah, but no, but some of them shoot sheriff badges or poker chips or. You know, whatever whatever <laughs> their particular elemental affinity happens to be. I think the be. first one I noticed was uh, Sheriff Terrible. Uh, when he shoots his gun, a whip comes out. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and also in this show, guns are used exclusively to cut through things at a distance. Not not, not exclusively. Uh, as far as I could tell, Moo's uh, Sheriff Star gun is used exclusively to trigger um, Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> By cutting a rope. Well, it's just like the star shoots, or, like... Or shooting somebody else's projectile out of the air. That's right. Or, or like, shooting the side of a... Just the side of a cliff, and the rock slide comes down and spooks the horses, and the and the, and the bad guys fly off into the distance. <laughs> the horses. The horses. <laughs> the horses. The horses, God, which have so four hooves that are all touching the ground because they're horses and not people. So, I, I think the first season really got this balance right. It got a lot sillier in the second season. So, in the first season, you get plot lines, like I mentioned, you know, he's trying to steal the gold, uh, this this con man comes into town, stuff like that. In the second season, there was an episode about pirates, there was another one about cowgoyles. Uh, wow. Which is, it was a gargoyle, but oh no, it was someone in disguise. They did literally did the Scooby-Doo hat reveal thing. <laughs> you know you know what they could have done, and I would be almost shocked if they didn't do this, is uh, have a plot line revolving around the uh, the calf sucker, the chupacabra. Oh yeah. Why not? Why not? It, easy enough. <laughs> the You know, the Western aesthetic doesn't just, uh, the work that they make to, that the work that they do to make it, like, sufferable in a pg setting you know like the kind of toning down of all the western tropes it doesn't just stop with like the action scenes they're also like constantly drinking sarsaparilla yeah yeah and things like that things of that nature they got like a prospector doing like shoe shining stuff and he spits on the shoes but the shoes are just hooves like i don't know it it's it's very tonally consistent yeah it's it's wild but not dangerous yeah exactly um, it's, it's just it's just kind of the 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 silly west, not the wild west. I, I do want to go a little in depth on this concept of the law because you said you know that there's these different lawmen, and one of them is law you know, cows. You're supposed to look up to him, and the other one you're like, oh, he's corrupt. You you know, it's a, it's a surprisingly nuanced approach to how authority works. Yeah, you know, I uh, I did a little bit of non-standard research when i looked up the youtubes of uh this of this show the nostalgia critic actually did a uh, a segment on this mm-hmm. yeah like, i couldn't like find a ton thing. online about this show it was like that and like not much else right but, but like nobody saw this show saying, he made a point of saying that this was like a really uh firm like st- th- this was kind of a good thing to show kids who were watching this show is that like just because someone's in a position of authority doesn't make them trustworthy which, yeah, you said it first. Like that's that that is a very textured approach to a uh, to a to a villain character to have yeah. on the show. No, I, I I saw that, and but it made me it made me go one step further, which is they know that the mayor and the sheriff are corrupt. They I'm sure by now they have plenty of evidence to actually do something about it, but they don't. Which brings me to my conspiracy. Okay, so. The, the established plotline is the cows became humanoid 
and they heard about the Wild West and filled in the gaps where they well, could. Okay, hang on. Let me stop you right there. Yeah. I'm going to take a wild stab at what your conspiracy is. Sure. Does it relate to a governmental experiment? Hmm? Oh, is that the end of your sentence? Yeah, that's all I had. <laughs> um, well, it would give a double meaning to the phrase, wake up sheeple. <laughs> uh, but no. Were you just sitting on that the whole time? No, actually. Is it Cadmus again? <laughs> Did they Cadmus. do this? <laughs> no, there's no clones. Um, clones of Beast Boys, ain't eh? so. But well, my they got the is, they got the ratio weird. They they imagine growing up on a steady diet of westerns. There is supposed to be a corrupt sheriff or a corrupt mayor. They or are just as no mayor present. They're a they are as important to the code of the West as the righteous marshal. They're all playing roles. Like it's like how town idiot was a job, if okay. it was. I don't know if it was. But, like, the fact that he never actually throws them in jail, they're doing their job. Their job is to be dicks. So. Because that's how it always goes in Western stories. They be jerks so that Montana can continue to be the hero that the West needs. Okay. So so what is the narrative reason? Like, just so that we have a bastion of righteousness for all the kids to look up to? Yeah, absolutely. That, that seems kind of, that seems kind of sparse. Well, remember, Ben, they had to de- create their culture out of whole cloth based on, like, what? A couple, like, books? Yeah, old, DVD. Old, Blu-ray old of Good, Bad, and the Ugly. It's like, oh, maybe we should do that all the time. <laughs> Blu-ray of Blazing Saddles. That's right. I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't, I don't, look at how they treat those cows. <laughs> this is monstrous. Thank goodness that comet hit. Um, no, but, but that's what I'm thinking, is that, like, it didn't occur to them that the evil mayor is not an important role in their society. Yeah, and Judas was the good guy, and he needed to kill, you know, Jesus so that he could become a martyr. And yeah, I don't know, Zane. It seems seems a little flimsy. <laughs> um, I, I do like the point that the law is... I, I think that we should... I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the, the presence of the law in this. And it does seem like... So this is, like I guess, kind of like the, the entire thesis of a show like this, where you have a person who represents the law represents the law more than the sheriff but the sheriff is clearly the good guy and i think it all comes back to the code of the west can you uh-huh. think can you think of a code like the the like a pirate's code or an assassin's code or like something like that uh, or the carney code that isn't inherently honorable i mean that's the whole point of having a code right Right, but it seems like, so I think that um, the distinction between a law and a code is a really cogent one, and it's what they're trying to teach kids. It's because law is sort of, it can be interpreted in these different ways that, uh, that you know, you're not really held accountable to, um, to any sort of moral standard other than that which, like, people tend to agree upon because it's a good enough idea. But sure. a code is a personal like intrinsic moral standard that you're only held kind of accountable to yourself. And I don't know what, do you, I think that's might just be what everybody kind of understands. If you adopt a code of ethics, a moral standard that is inherent and it's not like you don't have to, you don't have to look it up in a book or something. It's just something, you know, that's so much more powerful, so much more visceral, visceral, uh, a standard so that it, it, it holds a lot more pull 
in the in the emotions of people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's Montana's code to be good, even it, like like the mayor and the sheriff. It's their code to work just within the law to like you know break the spirit but maintain the letter to get ahead it's in montana's code to maintain the spirit not necessarily the letter right and and i think both of those are necessary because in one point in one uh in one circumstance you know you can't hold up your entire society to an individual moral standard everyone's is different if we did that we'd get like you know we have, like, a crazy emperor who says to, like, slaughter an entire people just because of the voices in his head. You get a, you get a fucking Aegon Targaryen. It's no good. Hmm. But It's almost as if having a code-based morality would lead us into something like the Wild West. <laughs> you, know, you know, all we're doing is defining what checks and balances are. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if, you know what we need is if, is if Montana and the other two cows formed, like, three... <laughs> branches of government <laughs> i don't understand what if what is what if uh, what if uh, montana you know if, the, if he gets the wrong idea about something and tries to take attack that's not uh that's not for the best of society oh then dakota steps up and uh shows him the <laughs> way but what if dakota oh but see it all we're, oh, we're such idiots <laughs> this, is what, this is what happens when you have podcasters try to comment on like the development of a, of a legal system <laughs> you just that, get like the most threadbare explanation I'm telling of what you, we it's all have. facade. It only works if it's all facade. If they're all playing into a storybook. <laughs> We're so stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's... I think you have a good point, though, about the difference between, like, respecting a person and respecting authority. And using, yeah. like, how law is based on respecting authority in, you know our current society but in the wild west it was much more the other way you know what's interesting is that this is sort of the opposite approach that like a darkwing duck has where all the villains are like megalomaniacal supervillains. they're just like one nutbag who everybody agrees is a bad idea uh-huh um whereas in this the bad guy is the person that is elected to an official position to make sure everything works okay yeah it, it's just a weird contrast. Like they elected. Uh, do him. they? Do the shows have like opposite Again, points? I don't know. Uh, it it's baffling, and know. it's I fine because it, we don't have to take it too seriously. No, but I mean, we do. Yeah. Well, but what's appealing? What's appealing about the Wild West and the and the you know lone guy who's going to set everything right? Because it really is just a benevolent dictator situation. Well, as I said before, it's sort of the it's it's the the lone sheriff is a der, is a derivative of the knight errant persona from Arthurian times. Right, right. So, uh, I think the I think the ideal there is just that this is a person who has devoted themselves to like this abstract concept of the kingdom or the or the queen or you know the righteousness of of man or something like that, and they're always unilaterally fighting like demons or you know a band of brigands something obviously evil i think that's yeah. the appeal yeah no definitely definitely a clear good versus evil eh, anyway we're, we're getting a little bit too far up our own asses so let's 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 make a hasty retreat yeah I, I think i've said what i wanted to about the 
weird things that happen in this show when you take it too seriously. Uh, speaking of that, I did want to mention that the sense of humor that the show has reminds me of a very uh, of a very um, lighthearted touch, like a lighthearted self-aware talk, touch. I think we already said it before, but I wanted to bring it up an example because I thought it was really good. Okay. The, the uh, they're, at one point they're like transporting explosives and on the explosive box it says explosives and then the, in subtitle has the label really bad for you. <laughs> like, I don't know, that just, that got me so good. The the humorous thing I liked is the fact that some of the buildings are just huge versions of common like Wild West items. So like the saloon is literally a giant foaming mug. Oh, that's pretty good. There's another building that's just a huge boot and another that's a big hat. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish I had noticed that. Uh, let's get into animation then. It, <laughs> so I think we already mentioned that the lady cows look unsettling. Yeah, um, more more so than the male cows like because their their mouths are just like flat, like their faces become flat and their mouths are like within that little ridge. Yeah, they got a little they got a little bit of like, you know, like western parasitic flat face. And like they 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 <laughs> so the the bulls, the cowboys of Moo Mesa, you know, that's a nice 80% human, you know, beefy kind of biker mice from Mars thing. Yeah, it's like the women are just all you have to do is like more rotate. bovine than that. <laughs> Well, I mean, women cows, I can't believe I'm saying it like this. Women cows, like, start out looking more feminine because I don't think I've ever seen a female cow depicted without an udder before this. And we uh, and we should specify, we know cows are, by definition, female. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Steers, whatever. We're, the, we're, it's, it's an ambiguity thing we're dealing with. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah we're, we're not sure what they call each other in this. They just call each other like lady and sir. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not calling you that. The, yeah, the udders. There's no way to draw that to make it not look terrifying or creepy. Yeah, they would all just look pregnant if they were like if they were bipedal. I don't know if you knew about this. Cows are large animals. They're super big. And the fact that the the um, cows in this show are like, you know, slim like yoo-hoo, southern belle yeah. kind of thing with breasts, Zane. They all have yes. breasts. It, it's right. super creepy. <laughs> I, I don't really... Like, they did a good job. I don't, I don't think they... <laughs> no, they, they look like they look like they should, but I they don't... Look, they look like appropriately female they... variants of the cowboys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they fit the show, but... <laughs> but that doesn't help my conception of what a cow is. And if I try to marry the two, it's just it's just a little too creepy looking. <laughs> and then there's and then there's like the the furry argument and yeah. yada yada yada. Um sp- speaking of by the way, do you want to mention the fact that they sometimes go on cattle drives? I, for like uh, I sort of touched on this earlier, but that's that's kind of unsettling, right? <laughs> because it's very clear which cows are the enlightened modern bovine and which ones are much are like, oh, these are cows. Yeah, we, uh, exactly. We we eat them. <laughs> it's not so good. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, like I don't know if we stated explicitly before, there are cows that are just cows that show up in this, as well as the cowboys. And when you see them both on screen at the same time, like okay, cows riding on horses, and the horses just being horses—that's weird, but it's acceptable until you see the very species <laughs> that they're cribbing off of just <laughs> presented there in full daylight. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, one of the big problems I had um, with when Ruby Spears took over the production, Colorado's face in the second season looks like one of those animatronic monstrosities. Like his mouth doesn't go with his voice at all. Oh, like a like a Chuck E. Cheese like guitar playing cow. Yeah, he's he's wearing a death mask. Oh, <laughs> wait! You're saying you didn't like that? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I, I only watched like one episode in the second season. So I, I, didn't I actually really liked it. the way that they drew a lot of the um, non cow and bull characters. So like that scorpion, the buzzard, various other. Oh, um, I love the critters. buzzard. He's got like a real like nasally voice, which makes perfect sense because he's got like that huge beak. Uh huh. Yeah. It, like those are all really good. Like they kind of remind. They, there's that spider on Team Evil, just like in Five Goes West. <laughs> like if you're gonna anthropomorphize animals, you might as well go all the way, right? Yeah. Why stop at one? Does it? Does any mm-hmm. show stop at one? Uh, a hundred good a hundred good deeds for Eddie McDowd. Oh God, that show. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that doesn't really count. Then I, I, I'm gonna tell you this. It's um it really bothered me that they didn't finish that. Oh, yeah, because, like, he's just a dog forever now. Yeah. Like, he didn't deserve that. No. He was kind of a bully, but, like, you know, he didn't you've, kill anyone on Nickelodeon. You basically shortened his life by 60 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they put him in the fucking Princess Bride trap. <laughs> All right, Eddie McDowd, you have, you have loved more than anyone, and so you shall suffer for it more than anyone else. If he took, like... like 15 years as a dog to do those hundred good deeds would they turn him back into the age that he was there's got to be like a conversion calculator online for this exact situation but it's okay because once he dies he gets eight more lives um this is one of the only situations where i really hope there's fan fiction that resolves this i i constantly like i don't know like maybe i'm alone in this i think that fan fiction is I think the idea of fan fiction is wonderful. <laughs> like, I, I don't hate it inherently. I like the idea that people are like, I see this thing that I really like. I'm going to try to add to it. And it's not going to be legitimized in any way, shape, or form. But if it is worthwhile, other people will like. Like, it's just... I, I like... It, it's this nice, like, little sidestep of getting something out of the, uh, of the, out of the common record. I like the but, fact that I have complete control over the quality of fan fiction that I'm exposed to. Oh yeah, because you like you just you just type in like good or bad, and the internet is like, I know exactly what you're looking for. Well, like you know, you you watch TV, you're gonna see an ad for a show or, or a movie that you are just you know you're gonna hate. Mm-hmm. Like remember those old like Sex in the City ads that were insufferable? Not really. Can you can you describe one or act it out maybe? With a <laughs> sultry voice. Yeah, let me hold on. Let me strap on my udder real quick and uh, get into some. <laughs> Get your push-up bra on. Get my leather undergarments. Yeah, put some lipstick on your on your on your flat face. Uh. And you know what's creepy about those flat faces is that because the like the front of the cow mouth is all like kind of brown and bristly, they all have like facial hair. <laughs> they all have like goatees. <laughs> so weird. Uh, I like the fact that they all have that all the bulls have um you know really big horns. It's it's kind of like sideburns for cows. I, I didn't take note of the horns. I like sideburns in there, like... Okay. <laughs> Noted. They're great. 
Um, we, what were you saying about Sex in the City? I don't even remember yeah, where we were at. Let's let's get back into the show. Yeah, <laughs> s- screw it. So, uh, I wanted to talk about the the there's like a really high frequency of action scenes in this. Like maybe the most we've seen in any show to date. And I didn't what think did that you... it was a strength. Um, I actually think it was. I I think that the action scenes were all rather good. And the 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 cool thing that I noticed, and this is something I haven't noticed before, is that they don't stop the plot for the action scene. They're intermingled, you know? Okay. If you can think back to, like, any martial arts movie you've seen or, like, a Lord of the Rings movie. There's a clear start the, and stop. When the action is happening, other stuff is not happening. Because mm-hmm. you can't talk and have a battle for Helm's Deep going at the same time. Nothing is, like, emotionally okay, yeah. resolved. Everything is very, like... It's time for a fight scene to, to, to pique the audience's interests and keep them from falling asleep. Sure. But for more Western type of things, the action always serves to move the story along. And I'm thinking specifically of things like Hot Fuzz um, or the anime Trigon, if you've ever seen that. Not really. When they have, when they have, the, when they have the action scenes, or Cowboy Bebop does this as well, although that's a little bit less like that. Um is that when you have the action scenes, you're also facilitating something in the plot. You're, like, getting to a place you need to go, or you're, like, or money is changing hands, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, a relationship is being established or, like, deconstructed. It's not just time for a fight scene. Okay. So, uh, I, and I'm wondering if that's, like, an exclusively Western thing, or if it's just I'm thinking of the examples that bolster, bolster this argument. Um. It it didn't hit me particularly hard. I didn't I didn't really notice that, but maybe it's a function of like one you're you're riding a horse. It's going to take you a little bit to get to the action, and you're going to know about the action you know at a distance, right? It's it's flat. I guess Mace, so. Maces are flat. Sure. You can see the. <laughs> I don't know. Help me out here. <laughs> I I don't know the. Uh... And the only other thing I, uh, I I can't really back that theory up any more than I have already. It just it seemed to me like the action scenes weren't just doing action scenes. Like they were so frequent that you couldn't get by with not having nothing happen in the plot while you were doing them. Maybe that's so, why like, they seemed longer in the second season because nothing really happened. Maybe it's like, just like uh, fight now, good guys win, or now bad guys win. I mean, yeah, and if you, if you take a long enough view of anything, it's going to look like that. But, like, Battle for Helm's Deep, that's exactly what it is. There's no, like, texture to it. I, mean, I guess the elves show up to help. That's kind of nice. So I guess that's a that's kind of a shade of, like, plot development in some way. Um, and that orc runs and, and uh, you know, throws the Olympic flame, right, to Chariots of Fire? <laughs> yeah, in slow motion, actually. And there's like, and, and then like lefty websites all come out and are just like uh, they're, they're really exploiting these orcs when they have the Olympics held at Helm's Deep, you know, <laughs> like the like the layman on the street, the the woodcutter that's trying to chop up uh, the forest is really getting really getting an unfair uh, is really getting unfairly impacted by all the all the resources used to set up the ring. Like they can feed the athletes like these five course meals, but they don't have water for the ants. Like you know, it's a nightmare. God, I would love to see the Middle Earth Olympics. That's amazing. <laughs> like, how would they do handicaps? <laughs> I don't know. They they kind of did this in that game, uh, uh, Blood Bowl, where it's football with fantasy races. You know, they, they would always have Gimli in like the hundred yard dash, and they would have to keep on coming up to him every time and be like, "Dude, I 
like I know like very dangerous over short distances. I get it. It's your thing. I understand that you said you can give we're it natural up. Natural sprinters. Yeah, they're natural born sprinters. You don't you don't have to do it anymore. It's okay. Like that movie was a long time ago. Just just go back you're, to the log swinging competition. You're three hundred years old. You're past your prime. <laughs> it's just all elves in the rest of it. <laughs> just like one dwarf he's like nope nope this time for sure ben if elves are real there could have been an elf that competed in the original olympics and in the modern olympics Food what, what is your point <laughs> i don't have one <laughs> but you know think about it if fantasy existed then different things would have happened in history <laughs> sure ben, if a comet hit the earth i guess that's fine and and like elves happened for example <laughs> <laughs> would they be Wild West elves? I think it would be like District Nine. Okay, where where like elves happen? They're like, oh, this is other. These guys are probably more primitive. Let's call them a racial slur and have this caste system devoted to them. And then in the rest of the movie, just have a goddamn action sequence because it's been too long talking about the political uh, situation of such an interesting, fantastical development. God, I hate how dumb that movie was at the second half. Oh, I thought you were talking about Cowboys and Mumesa again. I also sort of was. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Let's go on to music and sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I said, the dialogue is, is really corny. I really think the dialogue... But, but like, okay, the dialogue is corny, In a good but way. like the wordplay and the banter is excellent. Um, like, I think it's it's among the best we've seen. I would yeah, say they they take these like old west standard lines and then just tweak them a little bit. So like one time uh, they they like go up to a bar or something like we're looking for some answers for some questions. <laughs> so good, <laughs> like, love it. Because <laughs> the line's supposed to stop a few words earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly like the. Uh, have you lost something? I guess everything. It's exactly like that line. It's like a yeah. deconstruction of like a Just common phrase that would be said in in an old western. <laughs> yeah, and I mean they also do the whole like, oh, you know, uh, you're gonna lose money hand over hoof or something. You know that that kind of thing. Yeah, but they still have like appropriate puns for the for the for the plot that they're working with. Yeah, um, say your last moves. Yeah, exactly. The one thing that I thought was really interesting wrinkle to the dialogue was because you have this corrupt mayor and this uh, corrupt sheriff that works with him, but Moo has to interact with them, like, has to put his game face on all the time and not pretend to hate them. He's so genteel about it. I know, and and I, I never for once thought that Moo didn't understand the situation. Like, he's no, just, yeah. he's playing it as close to the chest as he can. He's trying to talk to them as though they're colleagues and not the enemy. And it gives it like this weird kind of like, like G-men kind of tension and intrigue. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of out of genre, but it's still like pretty effective I'm at telling getting you they're engaged. all playing a part. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so I thought that was really good. Uh, what did you think about the uh, fact that it seemed like the voice actors had a stipulation in their contract that they were only allowed to ad-lib when they were doing hollering noises. Okay, I did not notice this. <laughs> it, it seems like everything's very well scripted. Like, it doesn't seem like they're ad-libbing. But every so often, <laughs> if someone's getting, like, shot at or if, like, they're running away from something scary, they'll just, like, start, like, <laughs> like just, like, do hollering noises that are, like, 
pretty out of character. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was about. It just, like, stuck out to me. Hmm. Um, um, Music-wise, it has pretty standard, uh, you know, what you would expect for Old West. You know, you got that piano in the saloon. Yeah, um, it has good Western fanfare, but until it doesn't. Like there's also there's also yeah. like Looney Tune style slapstick and like a Scooby Doo sound effects. Yep, piccolos for like remixes you know, of the main theme. A, a, yeah, a ton of stuff that's just kind of was the was the standards and practices at the time, but doesn't mesh very well with a western. Yeah, so I, I, I I would have liked if this show did a little bit more western. Maybe this I would like a you know once an episode country music song. Mm, I don't know about that. What what Are do they you think do? about country music? Country music, I don't know. I've never been a fan. I don't dislike it inherently other than, like, the subject matter I find pretty distasteful. Like, it's uh-huh. all about, like, I don't know. There's, like, a weird subsection of country music that's all about trying to get a girl drunk and go home with her. <laughs> I, I mostly have only heard the, like, we're proud redne- uh, rednecks or I lost my dog. I lost I lost <laughs> my, my face. I lost my truck. Um, Etc. Like, I lived... So I lived in Texas for a year, so I, I I was I could listen to a good share of country music, and so the some of that that I noticed, like all the love songs for country music, are pretty like almost date rapey, kind of exploitative type of songs. What she really wants is a real man. man. Gotta show her the code of the West. <laughs> Oh, man, that's for the next annual. <laughs> I'm clipping that right out. That's the next <laughs> annual current podcast already. <laughs> God, I should go to the <laughs> That's a great euphemism, Zane. <laughs> I don't think so. But you're you're not even that wrong. Like, like let's like like i i can't remember the exact lyrics but i like have this kind of memory of this one song that's like well maybe sleep on it maybe <laughs> let's drink on it so we can think on it and kiss me or something like something like that like really yeah. just like trying to rhyme to, things to, to and also makes her clothes have fall them relate off. to boozing up a girl <laughs> to make yeah. her pliable it's pretty weird it's, it's pretty distasteful i know i like i like um i i like that sort of it, it's weird because I wanted to say like Southern cultural like pride, but I know that has a many bad connotations. It does, and I think. But done right, I think it's catchy. It's because we're it's because we're in the north. It's because we're in the northeast. Is that we constantly think of just all the everyone in the south as one Southern redneck, <laughs> because that's how it's that's how it's portrayed to us, and. They have kind of a similar like distastefulness with the north, like the yeah. northeast kind of like you know, uh, dilettante uh, New York kind of artistic sort of uh, sort of dude. Yeah, sort of, like, yeah. You know, like too good for them because they're like Steve Jobs in it with their metrosexuality, etc. Like, and it fits into a couple different like varieties of that. But we only hear about the bad things in the South because we're not the ones in the South. That's right, I mean. right. No, yeah, it's like, um, do you remember that quote from uh, Futurama? It's, uh, uh, you city folk are probably hungry from premarital sex and flag burning. <laughs> no, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's. <laughs> that's so, that's so awesome because 
Because it's an exaggeration of an exaggeration. Yeah, it's like, also a stereotype of a stereotype. Or that that's what I meant. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> God, Futurama is like almost Nailed a flawless it. show in so many ways. But um, I wanted to talk about the intro. Yeah. <laughs> which is way too legitimate. <laughs> yeah, so this is like voice... This is like a country song about the plot in a way that's great. Like, I love it when the plot is just recanted to us, like, verbatim every time. Um, and it's voiced excellently by the country western singer Billy Dean, which Ooh. is, like, as country western a name as you can get. <laughs> it's like Tommy Grant or Bubba Ranch or something like that. Down at the Bubba Ranch. <laughs> um, yeah, but but it's actually, like, I mean, you couldn't have anything that wasn't a country western, right? No, no. And and this is, like, as far as country western goes, this is the um, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice of country musics. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, like, it's very powerful. I don't know. I think it's even more necessary for this to be country than it was for King Arthur and the Knights of Justice to be sung by Dio. <laughs> like, because the western aesthetic is so ingrained in this show that breaking away from it in any way stands out like a sore thumb as we've already said with like some of the like some of the weirder parts of this show right whenever they deviate from that formula it, it sort of weakens the product it weakens the wine yep it, it, it brings it down from five to maybe two x's <laughs> x's yeah on like the side of a bottle of hooch oh i thought you were talking like in american Water. idol no <laughs> wait what do you mean on american idol what are you talking about the judges they sit in those booths and if you do a bad job you get an extra x <laughs> an extra x this isn't that's not true <laughs> no they have uh, is it maybe it's america's got talent they have those booths <laughs> all right man and they're clearly just waiting for someone to die you know tv <laughs> So anyway, that's the uh, that's the intro. It's really su it's like super cinematic intro too. Like all the all the shots are like really action oriented. They're not just like a weird like amalgamation of random scenes in the show. Like they chose mm -hmm. them to make kind of a pastiche of what the show is. Yeah, yeah. So like so like you'll have um, you'll have them all on horses and they like gallop across a gap and then like in the middle of the gap it like shows that they're like. They're silhouetted against the sun, and then like star wipe to like him shooting at something. Like it's pretty cool. It it serves the purpose of getting you pumped up about the West. Yeah, exactly. Because it's really, there's really so West. much less you know, fan, like romance about the Wild West now than there was. They you gotta mm. you gotta get into it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we had like a resurgence for that that aesthetic in 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 the near future. Well, I mean, they tried like it with the cowboys idea and of aliens. Just one guy. What's that? They tried it with cowboys and aliens, right? Eh, not really. I haven't seen like I... a strong contender since Firefly, and even that was kind of like. That's a very special yeah. case. There was a uh, there was a sh there was a graphic novel called Preacher that I read through, which is pretty good, mm -hmm. and it has a uh, it has a similar Western feel, even though it was made by a couple British guys who just happen to like the American West a lot. And because they like the Southwest, they made like a bunch of bestiality guys and like a bunch of inbred guys because that's all they knew. <laughs> but the the I mean that's more of a side point. The rest of, like it's it's pretty gratuitous in those ways, but. 
the main characters are all kind of, you know, they, they play the ideal straight. Um, and, and there's this like supernatural presence, like spoilers, they have to fight God at the end. So there's like okay. this, you know, corrupt, <laughs> the ultimate wild of, west, <laughs> the ultimate corrupt sheriff, the, so there's like that, it's that law, that code of the West thing again, where like the main guy is sort of this lone lawman or not lawman, but eh, de- you know, de facto lawman, and he's going up against a corrupt sheriff, in this case, God. So there's, like, a lot of weird parallels there. But that wasn't all that recent, so I'm not sure. I don't think I've seen any um, any modern westerns, but I, I, I could see it be kind of a resurgence just because, like, we have such an inherent distrust of our government right now. It seems like it'd be pretty easy to have. I mean, I guess Captain America sort of does it, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Like in Winter Soldier, like goes against the governmental conspiracy. I mean, it's on a larger national scale, but it's sort of similar. Like he follows, he doesn't follow, you know, American politicians. He follows the American ideal. That's his own moral code. You know, I think that concept is so strong in our in our culture that it just sort of invades everything, and we don't need the, you know, genre of the Wild West as much. I'm I am always interested in like when it pops up in Britain or Italy, like how popular the Wild West is there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess, be, hmm. I think that might have just been like, you know, culture from another place lags behind what the culture there is actually like when you, mm, you know, yeah. export it. So they're probably still like a, a generation behind when it came out with all these John Wayne <laughs> things. Um, I'm just just out of guess. I don't know. I, I think th- I think that it would that it would hit pretty well in... Uh, if, if they if they could kind of modernize the concept but i guess like the superhero thing if you like both iron man and captain america kind of embody this you know like going against the corrupt people in their own fields and like representing the ideals uh-huh so like the first iron man movie against the like he's against the shareholders and they're stealing his ideas but he's going to take them back by force and then you have the captain america thing that's all like you know his his own government is plotting against him because the because the almighty dollar and he's gonna take it back by I, force. <laughs> I don't know if you can actually do a western in a modern context just because there's no institution anymore that you can like fight back against with a horse and a gun. Yeah, that's true. The, the, or, the theme does carry on, but I don't think you can do it anymore unless you actually you know set it during that time or in the future in certain cases. You you also maybe that's why you can only set it in the future is because you can constrain it. Yeah, you can you can constrain it to a relatively minor population that the entire world isn't going to jump down your throat with a nuke if you if you rough the place up. Man, nuke nukes really ruined everything. <laughs> they ruined the whole genre. Come on, <laughs> nukes, get it together. But I, I, maybe that's why it does work in a space genre because like in you ha- if in Firefly you have like the outer planets and they are all kind of struggling to survive. <laughs> And yeah, there's also horses and the range and whatever. But the point is, they have the technology to contact the alliance or whatever. But they don't. Um, they don't want to. There's a cost there. There's a cost there, and the alliance is just not going to pick up their calls. Right. So, like, you might be able to appeal to some like weird authority in the east if you're like pulverizing a distant nation. 
but it's it's not going to get that far because it's not that important to them. You gotta take the law into your own hands, and when you're done, you gotta plow that field. <laughs> Set her down by the fire and whisper <laughs> the code of the West in her ear. <laughs> Um, so let's wrap this up. Um, yeah. But by the way, as a minor side point, I kind of didn't want to watch this for a bit, so I just started watching Firefly instead. You know what? My people tell the same tale. <laughs> Our people tell a similar similar tale. <laughs> um, I, I actually really wish that this show did uh, host like a Native American analog uh, I, equine. I think they did. I vaguely like, uh, remember like, one. TJ? Like gazelles. Like it gazelles or something. Sh- showed up once in the second season. John Redcorn. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Come on, that'd be great. Was that King of the Hill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that was that his name in King of the Hill? Yes. <laughs> and he would just literally be corn in this one? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he would impregnate Moo Mesa's uh, wife and have to keep it his his name's the whole not time. Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know, man. <laughs> so we have a comment. Um, oh, from uh, my wife. Uh, my wife. <laughs> she, she's the one who first told me about this show. Um, she actually told me about it a while ago and made me watch the intro. So I was like, I've had this in my back pocket for a while because I enjoyed it so much. Um, yeah. But she says, um, it's dreadful, but at least it doesn't take itself seriously. Also, it taught me what a mesa is and possibly what a cowboy is. It, you know, I... Uh... I'm kind of torn here because I, uh, I I don't want to, you know, say how wrong your wife is, but, <laughs> but, but that's for me to she's do. She's sort of batting a, a zero out of a thousand for, uh, you know, for, for, for recommendations so far. Like, she likes the Lord of the Rings books, mistake, and she didn't like Moo Mesa? She said it's dreadful? You're, you're going to get an angry call in a couple of days. <laughs> I know. I'm asking for it. No, honestly, like if you have an appreciation for this show, that's one up in your book. Like that's this is a good show. It, it's pretty weird. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But it's actually pretty quality in, in a way that I didn't. It, it's about as weird as My Little Pony Friendship is Magic in the way that the plot is bizarre mm-hmm. and fantastical in a way that it really shouldn't be. But it, uh, but it's you know it's got a lot of like strong DNA to it. So. No, I, I I agree with her point that like. You enjoy it more the less seriously you take it, but by yeah. any objective measure, looking back on it from you know the benefit of twenty years, mm. it's it's not, it's fine. Yeah, it, it passes. It, here's the thing: like He Man and the Masters of the Universe was equally you can appreciate it if you don't take it seriously, and mm-hmm. you can't if you don't. But the gulf between 80s early 80s and early 90s animation is so wide that i would watch this as a saturday morning cartoon yes. if i was still doing that sort of thing and i wouldn't have watched he-man yeah i'm right there with you on that so i, I think this is actually a very quality show yeah and it mm-hmm. and it taught us what a cowboy is yeah I don't it's a man a what is a cow what is a man cow it's weird because like i don't actually have anything bad to say about this show but it is super strange (laughs) and and it's weird to have a show that its strangeness is not either a positive or a negative it's just what it is Uh uh-huh but that's that is exactly where the show is yeah what did you think of like do you i didn't i didn't like the action as much as you did um Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I liked the dialogue. I liked the plot. I liked some of the more cerebral stuff that we mentioned. I don't know. I like every individual part of this. It just didn't cohere as well as I think it could have. And I think it is, I think having that team element is a little bit to its detriment. You know, I think the, I agree. And ones. specifically, I think the characters are the weakest part of the show. Uh huh. Um, ex- excepting the fem, the, the, the Southern Bells. Like, I think those are all pretty strong. And, and, the, and the corrupt and the, mayor. And the corrupt mayor is great. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe you should rethink your strategies, Mumesa. His name's not Mumesa. <laughs> Golly. Gadzook's partner. Anyway, um, yeah, so that is the Wild West C period O period W period dash boys of Mumesa. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, we have Thanks for recommending to... that, Chrissy. I'm glad I saw this. Yeah. Uh, and we are putting off Invader Zim until it works. Like, until, until whenever. We can yeah, we might that. do it for a Halloween episode or not. We'll see. <laughs> it would it... be a good Halloween episode. Uh, but So what instead are we watching next time? So next time we're going to watch another anime, Zane. Um, and I have chose one from a genre that we haven't done before, and I think is uh, it's pretty relevant to me because there are other animes like it that I am currently watching, specifically JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. The anime that I'm talking about is uh, called Fist of the North Star, hmm. which is a martial arts anime from quite a while ago, and it's not going to look very good, I think. The but name it- sounds familiar. Yeah, it's got like the guy who lives like and like hits people's pressure points and then their heads explode. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, Kinshiro. Um, and so like there's like a lot of stuff that's also commonality with like Mortal Kombat and like the fatalities and stuff like that. Oh, nice. I think it's a really important like touchstone, touchstone. Yeah. for uh, for, you know, uh, martial arts anime in general. And I, you know, I would also like to do a specifically sports anime at some point. So let's keep that in mind. But martial arts anime is so prevalent. It's like how a lot of anime got their start. It's how anime was kind of starting in, you know, Western markets is that this is how we knew them. We didn't have like anime about space bounty hunters or um, giant robots just yet. It it kind of started with martial arts. Yeah. So that's uh that's what we're gonna do. Just a man Star. and his will to survive. It's the code of the West. <laughs> Drinking my sarsaparilla. Uh, and uh, Zane, what are we doing after that? Uh, well, a friend of mine had a recommendation uh, of a show that I have not seen because uh, apparently I don't like picking my own shows anymore. Um, so the show is called. Class of 3000. Uh, apparently, the rapper Andre 3000 made a show about, I, I guess, a high school that he runs. Okay, I don't know. Zane, Zane, sidebar. Uh, you know, I was accepting of something called Cowboys of Moo Mesa. <laughs> and it worked out well. However, are you just going to keep on, like, giving me shows that you've never heard of before? <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, the point of the show, like, the point of this podcast is sort of, like, looking at the shows that were well-known 
and this the Cowboys of Mumesa, I don't know how it got through our filter, but what the fuck are you talking about right now with this class of 3,000? You know, I, 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 we, we like having guests on, and uh, yeah, so it's it's a, a, a show about what if Andre 3000 taught a high school. All right. What, was this like a Comedy Central thing? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll get plenty of details uh, the time of. Because it sounds like Mike Tyson mysteries, like where it's just like, they make a celebrity, and the celebrity is like, yeah, I'm not doing anything better. <laughs> Would you like to do Mike Tyson mysteries? <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, we I'm not giving that away. Not giving that away so easy. Yeah. All right. I guess we're watching some weird stuff and then some garbage. So, <laughs> no, no, no. You know, like, it's 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 okay. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this to the North Star, and then... Yeah, we, we can do another Hail Mary. This one didn't turn out to be quite as much of a spike cast as I was ex- expecting. In fact, mm. Moo Mesa turned out to be quite good. Yeah. Uh, right. And if you have ideas for what might turn out to be quite good, let us know. Yes. Yeah, go ahead and visit our website at www.cartoncast.com. Tartoncast. <laughs> um, go to our Facebook t- page and leave a comment. Or uh, just uh, and uh, if you want to... Um, Show us that you care. Go ahead and give a rating or review on iTunes and uh, tell your friends about the show, most importantly. And uh, so until next time, follow the code of the warehouse. <laughs> Let me get this off my chest. And never give up your guns. Sound backward.